It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the FT Money Show. In today's program, should you transfer your contracted out pension fund? Why unemployment insurance won't cover people in certain jobs? And we have some good news and bad news about inflation and your savings. I'm Matthew Vincent and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with the help of my colleagues from FT Money, Steve Lodge. Hello. And Elaine Moore. Hello. So let's start with the money news. On October the 1st, new pension rules will allow us to transfer protected rights pensions, these are the ones built up by contracting out of the second state pension, into self-invested personal pensions, or SIPs as they're known. But pension providers don't want to wait until then. They are already launching massive marketing campaigns to encourage people to transfer, targeting the 6 million Britons who have £100 billion in these protected rights funds. So, Steve, um, let's just explain to people who might not be familiar with the terms. uh, What exactly is contracting out and how does it build up a protected rights pension fund? Well, Matthew, in the old days, national insurance contributions were used to build up not just the basic state pension, but a second state pension, sometimes called SERPs and, and being called various other things. Now, most recently, I think, called S2P. But since the late 80s, you've also had the choice to move some of those national insurance rebates, otherwise building up a second state entitlement with, with the government, into a personal pension plan. Many people did that with life insurers, often with uh, the Prudential, for example, Standard Life and so on. And then it's further complicated by the ability through some workplace schemes to also draw in those national insurance rebates. So these national insurance rebates go into a fund mm. and this fund is called a protected rights fund. Technically, yes. And they're protected because to date and going forward a little bit, they're protected in the, well. They've been protected in the sense of what you, how you've been able to invest them, but also how you've been able to encash them as well. But frankly, that's all going out the window. I mean, there's a there's a transition period, but um, essentially, you can invest them in anything you want, hence the SIP, and indeed, you can encash them in, in any shape or form you want as well it, with your normal personal pension. So currently, from well, will be from fifty five. Okay, so there's a hundred billion pounds roughly. Mm-hmm. In these funds, and now we've got various pension providers saying, transfer the money to mm, us. Mm. Now, they would say that, wouldn't they? It's, it's in their interest. Well, they would, Matthew, because as you mentioned, £100 billion, which is just a sort of unimaginable sum, 
But in practice, some people, I've got £45,000, for example, with the Pru. I'm my single biggest lump of personal pension provision. Some people have near on £100,000 in these schemes. So it is a big lump of money at a time when pension companies and pension advisors are finding it difficult to part you and me from real money, if you like, to put into our pensions. But why not just leave the money where it is? What's the advantage of transferring this money to a self-invested personal pension or SIP? Is it control? Well, yes, it is. And back to what we're saying about almost the protected rights. They, typically, these, pla- this, these monies, these national insurance contributions went into rather boringly managed plans, boring to the point of poor performing, often high costs, often things like with profits, of course. And we know the problems investors have had in with profit funds. So a lot of people have had a very poor return, albeit on money that, they, that didn't really cost them anything. So If I'm approached by a pension company or I see an advert saying, transfer your protected rights funds to us, what should I think about? I mean, could it be unsuitable for me? Well, exactly. Two things you need to think. What am I going into? And is that really what I want? Do I want to invest my own money? What are the charges? What are the risks of investing my own money? And what am I leaving? And what it will cost me to leave as well. If I'm leaving with profits fund, there might be an exit charge. There may be other, you may be foregoing other benefits as well by moving your protected rights fund. And as well, if you do it for an advisor, and this is is one of the underlying fears, and we've talked about this before with transfers, that advisors are have disproportionately encouraged transfers and will disproportionately encourage transfers simply for commission. So is this the sort of movement that people should only do if they really want to take full control of their own pension and fully use SIP abilities? Exactly. I think so, Elaine. I mean, a lot of experts out there this week have been telling me, well, we would like the idea of getting the protected rights funds because some of these are protected rights money. Some of these are tens of thousands of pounds, even near on £100,000. But they're really seeing almost as a hook to draw in all people's pension monies. But I think it's a case of look before you leap and you don't have to do anything, in fact, uh, until October. So um, thanks, uh, Elaine Steve. And if you'd like to find out more about transferring a protected rights pension, buy this weekend's FT or go online at ft.com forward slash money. You can also send in your questions for us to answer by emailing us at ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. Still to come, the good news and bad news about keeping your savings ahead of inflation. But first, unemployment insurance. This week, an FT Money investigation has discovered that thousands of city workers are now unable to buy unemployment cover or they're being faced with premium increases of up to 400% on new policies. So I spoke to specialist insurance broker Simon Burgess of British Insurance to find out exactly what's going on. What's going on in the market is that there is a financial meltdown. And so organisations such as mine, British Insurance, we're very wary of taking on en- to issue any new policies or taking on any new customers who represent a disproportionate risk of losing their jobs. And who are the people who you consider to be at very high risk? Are there particular job types, uh, companies? The types of individual uh, who represent a disproportionately high risk are those who work in the financial markets. And are there certain city firms that have almost been blacklisted, if you like? I wouldn't say that there was an official blacklist, but there are, there's an unofficial blacklist, which means that certain employers or certain employees for companies will not get cover. They will not have their claims paid if they take cover now. So let's talk about the, the particular type of companies. Would these be investment banks? Is it beyond the city in terms of house builders as well? 
The types of company who represent a disproportionately high risk are certainly those operating in the financial markets, investment banks. They would obviously need to be included on any blacklist, be that official or unofficial. But that it would certainly extend out into house builders. It would extend to those operating in the mortgage market. Could this be a problem ultimately for perhaps people working in retail or any other um, parts of the economy affected by the credit crunch? Any organisation that's downsizing, if if that's in the public domain, then people have left it too late. Those people taking out an insurance policy will not get paid, their claims will not be paid, because they will have a prior knowledge of circumstances which will prevent them from having a claim. And what about people who've already got some form of, say, income protection insurance? Are they seeing the cover for redundancy being withdrawn or scaled back in any way? Those people who were prudent enough to take out an unemployment policy before they knew there were problems can be reasonably assured that they will have their claim paid if they're unfortunate enough to make, if they lose their job. There are, however, an increasing number of insurers who are taking the rather unusual, uh, the usual step of cancelling policies. I'm aware of at least two insurance companies who are withdrawing cover to those individuals or those occupations where they perceive there to be a relatively high risk. That's not normal practice, and that's something that it certainly isn't treating customers fairly, which is the new mantra of the FSA. But it, it, it will involve an argument, but it's those who are, were prudent should be OK. And if people haven't got this sort of cover yet, I suppose the... Uh, the big question is, is it worth taking out given the fact that premiums are, are going up by 400% in some instances or are you better off just falling back on savings? At the moment, my advice is to anyone, seek independent advice, check the internet and find a reputable provider. It's possible to buy very low-cost, good cover. My firm advice is don't leave it until it's too late. Don't wait until there is announcements of job losses that are in the public domain. Be prudent and act now. Don't wait until it's too late. That was Simon Burgess of insurance broker British Insurance. Um, Elaine, you've been following this story, but let's be clear, first of all, what we're talking about. This is not insurance against illness, and it's not necessarily just insuring your income. It's only cover against being made redundant, isn't it? That's right. This whole area can get quite confusing because the terms that are used blend into one another. Income protection, that sounds very similar to unemployment cover, but income protection is actually a long-term policy that you can take out against the possibility of you becoming very ill and being unable to work, you know, possibly all the way up until retirement. What we're talking about here is a short-term policy, typically for a year, that will cover you if you lose your job. So you need to find another job. That, that's the quick way of solving the, the, the financial problem, uh, of course. But for many people who are worried about their sort of employment prospects, and in particular in the, in the sorts of companies and the sorts of uh, businesses that Simon mentioned in the interview, it may be worth considering, but the cost is now a huge factor. It is. With all types of insurance, what people say is that the time to buy it is the time that you least think that you're going to need it. So the minute that you start thinking you might be made redundant, that's when you're going to find it very difficult to get this sort of insurance or you're going to find yourself paying out through the nose for it. But if you can go in now, you can expect to pay, people pay generally between about 5 to £15 pounds a month for protection. And that would cover you generally for payments like mortgages, any debts that you have, loans that you've taken out. So 5 to £15 pounds a month as a premium, how much uh, income does that 
cover? What, what does it give you? Is it's it very variable. It varies between each person and it varies between each of the providers. But that would say typically cover you for about £1,000 perhaps for a month. What we should say is that you're not typically looking to cover yourself for your entire salary. You're looking to cover yourself for the, the expenses that you're going to pay out for that month. This isn't. This is a short-term fix. This is not to give you an income for the rest of your life and let you live off it. But the other thing is that there are um, exclusions and exceptions to these redundancy cover policies. So if you're not made redundant, if you leave of your own accord, or if you were to be sacked for uh, transgressions, you know, for a transgression, against the FT, perhaps a Christmas yes. party. Yes. yes. Uh, well, whatever the reason, you wouldn't be covered by one of these policies. You wouldn't know. This has to be you are made redundant by your company for a valid reason. Well, exactly. I think I, I think it is an issue because you know many redundancies nowadays are, for example, voluntary redundancies. Now, I don't know how these. I, I with the best will in the world, I think the insurers will try and wriggle. They would possibly have a problem with that, yes. They are very particular about what they will cover you for. It has to be a very set circumstance. But that kind of leads on to the big question, though. If you are made redundant and you get quite a good redundancy payment, a payoff package, do you need this cover? Well, exactly. I mean, I've always thought it's... Frankly, I've always thought this sort of cover was uh, robbery, frankly. Um, I mean, from what Elaine's saying, you're looking at about 10% premium for, you know, your pairs or something, I'm not sure. But but I think the the premiums are very variable. I think think the most important thing, though, is for people who are worried about their employment situation to check out exactly what their redundancy terms are. Are and also to look at how you know, how much they've got in the bank in terms of mm-hmm. savings. Um, if you'd like to know more about the ins and outs of uh, both the job market and indeed redundancy insurance policies, look out for uh, Elaine's article and Joe Cumbo's investigation in this weekend's FT Money. And finally today, we have good news and bad news on the effect of inflation on your savings. Steve, we've been looking at inflation for a number of months now. It's running at 4.4% on the Consumer Prices Index measure. That's not too bad if you can get a very high rate on a savings account. Well, let's park the CPI business, Matthew, which is the government's preferred measure. It's not a real measure that real individuals need to consider in their real lives. Let's talk about the RPI, Retail Prices Index, which, as we know now, is 5% and has been going up and is expected to go even higher. So... For a high-rate taxpayer, needs now to be earning 8.33% gross, because remember those returns are taxed in a savings account, to actually keep pace with inflation, which means they can't from a normal account. Because there aren't ordinary savings accounts as opposed to these regular savings. Well, as opposed to regular savings or as opposed to tax-free ICEs, of course, where you're not paying the tax. But the other issue, I mean, the the research we've been looking at this week as well has been found that in most cases, savers, whether... High rate, taxpayers, high rate taxpayers or basic rate taxpayers haven't been getting a real return for near on five years now. So it's nothing new? It's nothing new. It's been bad news for, for a while. Indeed, because um, high RPI is not a new phenomenon. RPI was at 4.8%, not this spring, but spring 07. Um, is there any good news for people who are waking up to this fact now and worried about it? Well, the good news, or if you like, how you can beat it, clearly it helps to pay less tax. It also helps for inflation to be low. You can't really do so much about that. You could move into it. You, you should take advantage of a cash uh, ISA, tax-free, of course, so you take out the tax element of returns. De facto, who did this research for us, says that if you actually look at someone who managed to move around in the best buys all through the last five years, 
not surprisingly, they'd have had a much better chance of beating, um, of earning a real return. Particularly, they would have done normally if they were a basic rate taxpayer. There are also one or two savings uh, deals out there that that do offer an RPI-linked return. So um, national savings is the obvious one. And, And the final point, of course, is that it's about taking equity risk long term. Over 108 years, BZW tells us, cash has yielded 1% over inflation before tax, though. So actually under, probably under inflation uh, after tax. But equities have yielded a real return of 5%. So cash is not king. No, equ- stock market gives a right royal performance. Well, you can uh, find out exactly how uh, how royal the performance has been from uh, uh, the stock market compared with cash by reading Steve's article on inflation-proofing your savings and a related article on inflation-proofing a share portfolio by Charlene Goff in this weekend's FT Money. And that's all for this week's FT Money Show. Do remember that you can email your views and your questions to ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. And we'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in double form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Steve and Elaine. Goodbye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com.